fired up. The snap, the put down, the swing of the leg. It is on its way. It is good! Cincinnati wins the American Championship! Here comes Bosa. Here comes the quarterback, Burrow. Looking for a block, and he got it up on the front by Hopkins into the end zone. Touchdown! What a skip! As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. Welcome back, Ryan Castellanos. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, sir. For Ed and Jeff, I am Aaron, and this is another episode of Pardon Punctuation. We do invite friend of the show, Ryan Castellanos, back. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Very good. Very excited. Watching some Reds right now, so that's always good. Yeah, we all are, I think, in our own little capacity. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously ahead of everybody, as we found out just a few moments ago, as uh, <laughs> there was a play at the plate. But um, before we get into the actual Reds, since the last time you were on the show with us, Things have gotten a little little crazy for you. You've been on the Twitch, doing the Twitch stream, and things have kind of blown up. So what is what has the ride been like for you, sir? It's just a lot of fun, man. It really is. I mean, streaming's always been something I kind of always wanted to try. I mean, I always thought it would be, you know, video game related, but I just saw this as kind of like a perfect do. opportunity they'll, they'll cram to six. not only, you know, try doing it but like connect with the fans and and when i'm watching the game by myself i'm doing the same thing anyway so i figured everybody else would kind of enjoy watching me go nuts and kind of you know connect with me and uh just kind of feel closer to the team you know feel like um just give them like an experience that you really can't find anywhere else to be honest and it's it's been a lot of fun and I mean, you guys say blow up. I mean, I'm still very small in the, you know, the Twitch community, but either way, I'm, I'm doing it because it's a lot of fun and I've enjoyed every single second of it, man. Now, when I say blow up in all fairness, I mean, like just even following you on Twitter, like you're getting responses all over the place, especially with us playing the Cubs right now. So you got the Cub following that you already had when Nick was, you know, with the Cubs and now you got your new following with the Reds and all of that. So I've seen... A little bit of little bit of spite tweets going back and forth. Yeah, in your feed, um, maybe not necessarily from you, but at least from the fans going back at each other. Um, so it's it's uh, I don't know. It's been fun enjoying the ride, and I've seen that you are, you know, getting on other podcasts and stuff too. I like to think that we're a little special, being that we were the first. But <laughs> well, you, you guys were the first, and this is the only other podcast I've been on, so two in a row. And you guys are awesome, so I'm, I'm sure I'll be back again if I'm allowed. If you guys let me come back on. Well, as we had kind of discussed, and I'm okay talking about right now, um, we're gonna have you on it as much as we can, at least during the season. Um, so you know, whatever time you can make for us has been, you know, a lot of fun, and we see no reason for you not to be on with us as, as much as you can can fit us into your your schedule with all your travel for work and everything so right well awesome man i really do appreciate it it is a lot of fun so until i give you guys a reason that you don't want me back i'll be back sounds like a plan uh, yeah. deal so 
like I said, we we have to talk about what's going on. What happened last night with the Reds and the Cubs? I mean, that's 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 one way to end a game, I suppose. Yeah. With with the way that that all went down, with you being a former player and like having lived the unwritten rules at a professional level, how do you break down what happened last night with Baez and Garrett? Well, I, I think there's two ways to look at it. If, if you look at it in a vacuum, um, I mean, to be honest, of course, this is biased because I'm a Reds fan and obviously being Nick's brother and, and you know, wanting the Reds team to succeed kind of watching Baez do that. I wasn't very happy with it. Um, I will concede that me being unhappy with it could be my bias towards the Reds, but also my frustration kind of comes from looking at kind of how MLB handled this as a whole, where, I mean, we want emotion in games and the Reds are providing that through, you know, Nick and Amir and they're getting suspended for it. And if other teams kind of do the same thing, you know, we, we just kind of want to see some consistency for it. And, you know, in a world where Baez can jump over the railing and not get suspended and then basically do what players say they don't want in the game, which is making it kind of personal. And he didn't really celebrate with his team. He wasn't really looking in the dugout. He was making it all about, you know, a mirror in the moment, which, you know, they do have history and people will say, right. well, you know, look at the history. Of course, that's going to happen. Well, OK, I'll grant you that. But Amir got suspended for it. So I think this should be Baez's turn to get suspended. I don't think that in the grand scheme of things, these are necessarily things that you should be suspended for. But I'm just going based off of what MLB kind of set as the precedent. Um, and I think it's kind of ridiculous to to be in a spot where you really only get punished if the other team decides to retaliate. And I mean, you really saw Amir kind of hold his, you know, keep his cool the entire time, but. Which is something he's not known for. (laughs) Exactly. And, 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 and Baez might not be suspended just because Amir didn't make a big deal out of it. But if Amir would have went, would have went right after Baez, I think it was a good chance that he would have got suspended. Baez and Amir is what I'm talking about. I agree. And I know one of the things that you talked about that like on, on your Twitter feed and what have you has been the way that the MLB takes these opportunities to advertise for their product with these situations. And they turned around and they're like talking about how Baez ran his mouth, backed up what he was doing. And they used that again as another opportunity to be like, this is, this is our product. Look at what we do. I don't okay. think the ball had had a chance to land in the outfield before the MLB was tweeting out the video of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm okay. So, so the part that makes this a little bit of a gray area is that it was a walk-off hit. So mm-hmm. obviously if that was somewhere like in the seventh or anywhere other, any other part of the game, that would have been benches clearing. No doubt. Correct. Obviously he wouldn't have taken it that far if it wasn't a walk-off hit. But, you know, at the same time, you, you have to kind of look at what he was doing. And he was 100% just showing up a mirror, staring at him, yelling at him. They had teammates coming behind him, you know, trying to get him to first base. And then when they were celebrating, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Rizzo was kind of behind him. They were basically preparing for the Reds to retaliate. So the Cubs knew that what he was doing was kind of over the top. 
And if he does get away with it just because it was a walk-off hit, those are the kind of things that I think that the league should be wanting to get out of baseball. The things that I think should be in baseball is when you see players show that kind of emotion, but it's kind of a celebratory thing with their team. And when, and when you make it personal like that and the league does nothing about it, I mean, I saw Trent, uh, I'm not sure his last name. He's a, uh, the, Rosecrans. the writer, the writer with the athletic see Trent. Yep. Yeah. Um, he, if, if he doesn't get suspended, I mean, he's basically, or MLB is basically sending a message to the reds and the rest of the league, where if you guys don't retaliate and make it a whole show on the field, suspensions might not be given out this, you know, despite them being deserved. So it's just the mixed messaging that I'm a little frustrated with. Uh, it's not necessary. It really doesn't have anything to do with Baez himself or the Cubs themselves. It could have been anybody. But when the Reds have been dealing with, you know, frivolous suspensions, and then remember, Amir was suspended for seven games. Right. And he had to reduce it to five games. And that in that situation, I think the benches only really cleared because Baez jumped off you know, the railing to kind of start, you know, the initiation. Amir, Amir started his whole thing in that one from the mound. Exactly. And, and stayed there, essentially and, stayed and, within and that circle. And I would circle. say that you couldn't even, sure, uh, Amir was probably looking at Rizzo and yelling at Rizzo, but he could have been just looking at home plate or in the catch or, or to the catcher. And there was a part of me during that whole thing that, it just kind of seemed like a catharsis in a moment where Amir finally felt like he was putting it together and he was just expressing himself in the moment. And I don't, I wouldn't really put what Amir did versus what Baez did together. I, again, I could, I could be biased, but I, I really do think that Baez going over the railing and Baez completely showing up, walking to first base and flipping the bat in Amir's direction. That is not the celebrating that we really want to see. And I think that was the biggest problem I had was the bat. Like yeah. everything else I think was just kind of bias being bias, which at this point, I don't think anybody's really surprised by, but when you take the bat and I mean, it wasn't quite a projectile, but when he, you know, throws it at the ground the way that he did, like, I don't know, man. That's I guess that's where I draw the line personally. But I, I, there were uh, whatever line you draw, it, it was crossed. I mean, th the only other thing that he could have done was sprint right at Amir, you know, and start a fight. And if anything, that is almost less disrespectful because it's kind of like, hey, all right, let's take care of this right now. But I'm not saying that that is what should have happened. But as right. a player, kind of. And as, as a former pitcher, what Baez did was basically like almost peak disrespect. And I know that it's, you know, they do have their, their past history and whatnot. And I'll take that all, you know, in stride and say, okay. But remember, Amir got suspended for his past actions, you know, in their history. So I think again, if we're talking about consistency and we're talking about trying to lay a framework where players and other, you know, uh, you know, teams across the league can look at and say, okay, this is, this is okay. That's not, this is not okay. 
the MLB has done a terrible job in setting up that, you know, framework where teams can look at and say, this is good. And this is not good. So seen anyone carry a bat almost all the way to first base. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But so I'll give you, do you remember in the world series? I think uh, Soto did that. And then Bregman did that where they Uh, would carry the bat all the way to first. But the, in that celebration, that wasn't necessarily directed at anybody. It was kind of like pimping it, celebrating, dropping the bat. Those kind of spectacles, even though it might rub sub pitchers the wrong way, mm-hmm. they're not staring right at them. You know, they're not staring right at them, yelling at them, walking down to first. You know, doing whatever like this or I don't know what the or motion was like the sweep. I think I don't... he was doing the, the well, sweep, which yeah. which I think Garrett did. Correct. We swept the Cubs. Oh, okay. So. And again, and I'm not saying that that, you know, Baez didn't have any, you know, personal stuff that he wanted to show out there, which is fine. He didn't start a fight mainly because Amir had, you know, a lot of restraint. But I don't think that because the red showed restraint that his actions couldn't be deemed as aggressive, you know, willing to possibly start a fight. And I really do think that if Amir would have, you know, gone off on him right there and started a whole, you know, thing at the end of the of the game, there would be no doubts that Baez would be suspended, in my opinion. Well, Along and with Amir, right, and potentially mm-hmm. several other players from both sides, right. So. But but it shouldn't require reactions from the other team to be qualified for a suspension, right. So I guess like. If you look at the other leagues, when I say that, I mean like the NFL, the NBA, if you taunt like that, I mean, there's penalties in both leagues. Like the NBA, you can't dunk on somebody and then like get in their face like that because that's when it becomes personal. In the NFL, if you stand over somebody or anything like that, we've seen it happen, especially as Cincinnati fans with everything that went on with Vontez Perfect and and the Steelers and that whole mess. I don't even want to talk about that. Um, Since we're talking uh, uh, real quick, since we're talking about NBA and not MLB. Uh, if LeBron James does it, it's okay according to the NBA. Thank you. I don't, I don't think that's how that works, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's like, like I said, I mean, there's, there's penalties in place and a, a structure in place for these types of offenses. Whereas baseball, it's kind of just, is there going to be a suspension? Is there going to be discipline? Nobody knows. But what we do know tonight is Baez was a scratch with a heel contusion, which. Who's to say if that was an actual thing or perhaps something coming from the league that they're preparing for and can retroact? Yeah. Or hey, maybe he could be traded soon. Who knows? That, that's that's the other thing is like the, I mean, halfway through the game yesterday, you got Andrew Chafin getting sent to the, uh, the A's, I believe is where he went. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, the and, and there's talk that, you know, Rizzo and Bryant could also be gone here in the next week i guess i mean heck it's not even a week what is it like four days four days friday i think yeah. friday is the deadline is that true? so friday i mean potentially the, the cubs Something could be like a, a, a very different team here in about a week they may yeah. not even finish the series with the team <laughs> I mean, yeah, so uh, they'll they'll pull uh they'll pull a Puig and and Baez might have to sit a few games with his new team. Oh, we'll that's be interesting. I mean, that it could be, be something. 
you know, along the line, what if it was something along the lines of when, uh, was it Mezzarocco got traded to the Mets like an hour before he was a starter in the lineup for the Reds against the Mets? Yeah. That's hilarious. Is it, I had no idea. That and he went and dressed for the Mets. He, he was he was in the starting lineup for the Reds against the Mets, and then the Reds is that when they got Matt Harvey? Uh, yes, Aaron. It they, was. they traded they traded across the field to the Mets like an hour before the game, so they had to obviously scratch him from the Reds lineup. He went over there, they like stitched him a jersey, so he was in the in the Mets uh, okay, out for the game, and, real quick. and Harvey Harvey <laughs> was across back over with the Reds. Yeah, wow. That- that's weird. And it's funny, too, because baseball is really one of the only sports where you can do that, uh, you know, because in football, when you trade a guy, it's going to take a while, you know, to get acclimated. And in basketball, it's kind of the same thing. In baseball, you can have a guy fresh off another team show up 10 minutes before first pitch and go. You know, you have players in there who can't even communicate with each other, you know, because they speak different languages and it just doesn't matter. It's kind of a beautiful thing, really, where it's just, you know, your role, you go in there and you just immediately, well, hopefully you can start working like clock, like clockwork immediately. Just get your little card for where you need to be on defensive lineups and right. yeah. go. Yeah. That's right. with, with, and that's only, you know, a recent thing with the, uh, the whole defensive shifts. Like you got to look down and be like, oh, I got to go out and play short right field now. I thought, <laughs> I, was, I, thought I was a third baseman. Oh, Ed, hold on. Yeah, when, when I was in college, um, which was uh, 2013 through 2015 uh, playing, shifts were never a thing. Uh, towards the end of my last year in college, we had shifted for only maybe two or three players in our whole uh, conference. And when I was in the minor leagues, the shift, I, I don't even remember there being a shift. So it's so weird how prevalent it is nowadays and it was interesting too because i think india jonathan india mm-hmm. was talking about it uh his uh move to second base because i think he was playing third or something and yes. uh, one mm-hmm. of the biggest adjustments for him was not only playing second but then getting acclimated with all the different positions that you have to play whether it's like a short right field or like an extended first baseman way back you know it's just there's so many different areas that you kind of have to get used to and when you switch a spot on the field, not only are you switching your vantage point, but the ball comes at you differently because it comes off the bat differently. So there'll be a different spin on it, you know, different, uh, you know, just just little nuances that you have to look for, which I never got to appreciate in the game because I was a pitcher only. But um, my brother talks about stuff like that when he would play right field versus left field. It's a completely different game, uh, you know, when you're trying to track balls, um, the read off the bat. Um, just extra things into the game that, you know, you just kind of have to look out for, which was interesting because it, it was something that I had never really thought all that much about. Yeah. Now, when you, we were talking about the shift here, um, so on the radio, uh, I guess it was like two days ago, maybe three days ago, um, there was a, a local guy that, like, he covers sports here in Cincinnati. Um, which Joe guy? She, Joe Sheehan. Okay. Um, so he's on the radio on 700 talking about like some different things as far as like he is against banning the shift. He thinks that a manager should be able to play his his people wherever he chooses inside the lines there. And I guess even outside lines if they wanted to do that for whatever reason, uh, which wouldn't make much sense. But you never know. Some things don't in baseball anymore. Um, 
So, so <laughs> what? You, like, how, how do you feel about that? I mean, I, I can see both sides. Um, I I think with how much we're shifting right now, I I, I totally see you know the argument against it. You know, the fact that batting averages are so low, um, the fact that shifts and just all the information you have on hitters. Uh, I think Joey Votto had mentioned that, um, that, yeah, the infield shift is tough, but when you have outfielders getting put into a spot where you're almost always likely to hit it, that's one of the tougher things to adjust to is also the outfield placement. Um, and it's really interesting if you if you kind of look at, you know, the pros and cons, um, because when we started shifting, you know, so much and putting so many defenders in such a little spot, it kind of, you know, not it lessened the need for extremely athletic and rangy uh, defensive players where if you had an extremely athletic second baseman or an extremely athletic and fast shortstop, they can get to the balls where now you can just shift into those spots. So you're kind of taking, uh, you know, some of the defensive flair out of the game. So if you look at, uh, I don't know, Ozzie Smith, would he have been such a good shortstop if all he was doing was being a part of a shift all the time? Would he be as well-known? I mean, I'm sure he would be known as one of the greats, but he got no, so many, he got so many opportunities, you know, to just go far into the hole, bare hand balls, and that kind of baseball, you know, you just kind of shift into it now. And and it's weird because we're still getting used to, um, you know, six years ago where you're watching a game and you see somebody hit a ball up the middle or something, immediately it registers as a hit. But now you have no idea because you have to see where the shift is. <laughs> right. You know? and exactly. Now, some of the other things he brought up, like, Real quick. instead of – Real quick, since we weren't talking about baseball for a second, um, Aaron, I did look it up. Joe Sheehan does not seem to have any kind of relationship to Tyler Sheehan, uh, the NFL quarterback that you sacked in flag football. Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, Wait, is, is this the football family? Do they have a a tight end in the family? Is it wait Shaheen or Sheehan? I thought it was Sheehan. Well, we're only just now figuring out how to pronounce Kelsey versus Kels, so we don't we don't necessarily know pr pronunciations here in Cincinnati. <laughs> okay, because he he was a Dolphins player, so if we had that connection out, I would have been oh. extremely excited. But uh, well, he, I guess he, not. he he was saying that like you know you can play your players wherever, but to increase offense, you know they're talking about the thing with like moving the mound back. I guess they're going to try that in some of these in in one of the minor league. Like the Atlantic Coast League, I believe, is they're gonna in the second half of their season they're gonna move the mound back. Um, and then he also brought up eighty-eight foot bases instead of obviously ninety to be able to you know that way some of these balls that maybe get hit into the shift that is like you know deep into into right field you're not able to necessarily throw throw the guy out coming coming to first base. I mean, I thought that was a little silly myself. But. Yeah, I, I, I think that sounds a little ridiculous. I mean, now you're you're physically I mean, it's happened in the past, so it's not completely far fetched. Like they lowered the mound, you know, however long ago. 
Um, you know, they changed the distance of the fences however long ago. So stuff like that does happen. Um, but I don't know if fans like seeing shifts all of the time. Um, I don't think that um, if we're having a conversation about, you know, baseball being, you know, fun to watch or trying to put a product on the field that is exciting for the fans, you know, as opposed to the three true outcomes that we see all the time, you know, either a walk, a strikeout or a home run. Um, I think that not, maybe not getting rid of the shift, but limiting the effectiveness of the shift uh, that could, um, you know, th that, that could kind of put the hitters in the mindset of, you know, maybe I need to put the ball on the ground more, uh, you know, maybe defense will be more at a premium and, you know, maybe that can get back to, uh, you know, emphasizing guys who can put the ball in play more as opposed to striking out as much as, you know, we see. Um, and I don't know if Major League Baseball really wants to cater to the product that we're starting to see unfold in the last four or five years. Um, and I know with the whole, you know, sticky tack or spider tack, you know, has a lot to do with the lower batting averages and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think it's kind of been a trend for a while now. And I still think that the brand of baseball that's going to be the most exciting to see is yet to come. Um, and I think that limiting the shift in some capacity is going to be a part of that. that that's uh, just what I think. Maybe that's just because what I would prefer, um, because I do like seeing what players can do in the traditional second base position, shortstop position. That was always fun for me. Making the um, diving plays with the, like, well, you brought up Ozzie Smith and there, there's the, like, the, one of millions of clips, it seems like, but the one that I always seem to see is where he's heading, he's ranging towards second base. He dives, the ball hits like a something in the in the dirt and skips and back bare, behind him, and he yeah. bare hands it back here and then gets amazing. up. Makes it's like amazing. amazing. And I, I actually never even thought about the fact that the shift has kind of like like you just don't see those plays nearly as often because you the guy's just standing there and has to take two three steps one way or the other and field a ground ball. And, and honestly, it's I'm not even a hitter, but when I see, a, you know, a batter absolutely crush a ball, you know, 108 off the bat, completely through the infield, short hops, you know, the the second right fielder that happens to be standing there. I It's just, I you know, I feel like that's kind of putting, you know, analytics and numbers in the forefront and taking away you know, just the natural athleticism and kind of, I, I, I think that's just putting numbers in front of just, you know, the spirit of the game. I don't want to sound like an, you know, an old school person <laughs> because I'm, I'm really not, this might be one of the, one of the few takes where I feel like these changes aren't necessarily good. Um, and, and there will be a whole new aspect to defense if we were to limit, you know, the shift because, like I said, we have almost everybody in the big leagues now hitting 250 or less, and that's okay. As long as you hit, you know, 20 homers and you get your RBIs, that's totally fine. And 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 if we continue doing that, there are going to be continuous conversations about how, you know, games are sometimes boring to watch. 
So you bring up, you know, a guy hitting 108. That was, I feel like that was the first three or four weeks of Joey Votto's season. But Joey Votto is on a whole different tear right now. As okay. he has hit two home runs tonight, he has what four games in a row now. And in that span, he's hit five home runs. I am rocking my Joey Votto jersey tonight. So um, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch this old man on this team just doing some different things. Do you think in the back of his head, he's thinking about the fact that he might not have the numbers to get into the Hall of Fame first ballot without these home runs? I doubt it. I mean, if you're in, I, I'm never, I'm not a hitter. I've never, you know, hit at a high level. Not that I can't hit if you guys want to do BP sometime. Um, <laughs> and we could, we could do some John Boy back alley at bats with, the blitz, with the blitz ball. I'm in. I'm definitely in. Um, when, when you start doing things for numbers, you usually don't, you know, get the results that you want. I truthfully just think that Votto has embraced this newer uh, era of baseball where you can freely, you know, show your heart on your sleeve. You, you see it with every single time uh, a first base or third base umpire says that he went on a swing. Um, you see yep. it obviously when he went absolutely nuts with Barnhart. Um, you see it with his home run where he points to the dugout and, and, you know, gets them all, you know, excited. And obviously I'm not Votto, so I can't speak for him. Sure. But it looks like that he's just kind of letting it all go and playing looser, probably playing like he used to when he was a kid, you know, just not worried about, anything else but just trying to you know win do good for the team you know uh just be someone that the team can count on and i'm sure that you know with the emergence of nick playing really well and winker playing really well and jonathan india coming in as a rookie and completely looking comfortable and doing his thing and just the buzz that's been growing from the city just because of how hard and how passionate that these reds players have been i think it just made it it just made an environment for him to just completely feel comfortable in that veteran role you know completely feel comfortable in the role that you know it doesn't have to be all on him but also know that he's still plenty good enough to be just as good if not better than the team needs him to be and he's taking that full stride man i mean it, it is a lot of fun and i never got to watch a ton of auto you know in his younger you know in his early career the way you guys have but even just watching him now and knowing how long his career has been and seeing how much fun he's having it, it's like a breath of fresh air and it, it just makes me want nick to come back so much quicker so he can <laughs> join in join in on all this you know he seemed to be taking it all in right there in that picture that Jeff took down. Yeah. Well, actually, did you guys see that happen live? No. Yeah. Uh, it was these girls. So he was on deck, and he was completely locked in to Hendrix pitching. And uh, one of the girls came down and started talking to him, and I think that she wanted him to turn around to take a picture. But he just kind of, like, said, you know, just – Sure, you can take a picture, but I'm not going to look at you because he was just totally locked in 
and you could see it. He was so locked in and he is so in the game. And that is just so special because that kind of focus and that kind of intensity and that kind of just want to go up there and just do another thing good for the team just so he can have a moment where he's excited. That is really when, you know, people start playing for the right reasons, which is to have fun and which is to win. If you start playing for numbers, if you start playing for stats, and if he's playing to get into the Hall of Fame, I, you know, I, I don't think that's what's on his mind. I, I think he wants to have at least another season or two or three where he can experience playoff baseball. He can, you know, have a real shot to give this city what he needs or, or what the city, what the city has wanted for a long time. And I'm curious to ask what his answer would be if you were to ask him, would you rather be in the hall of fame or would you rather win a championship with Cincinnati? I think wholeheartedly he would rather win a championship here I in agree. Cincinnati. I, I I don't think that he has any, honestly, like any care about if he was in the Hall of Fame, if he doesn't feel like he did everything he could here in Cincinnati, which includes winning a championship. He'll be in the Canadian I mean, Hall of Fame for sure. So <laughs> he's, he's already in there. Do you guys see his uh, his interviews on uh, MLB Network where he came out in the whole Canadian get in the Mountie? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is so funny, man. That's so funny. He, when he got, he's like, he's he actually a really funny guy, and for a long time yeah. in Cincinnati, like he, like when he when he was like early on in his career and everything, like it was just this stoic like. Didn't say like, there was like yeah. no emotion. I mean, he was just like out there, yeah. You know, Hitting the ball hard, doing what he needed to do, but there was like not a lot of like of what you see now, where he's out there like when he started doing those like the MLB um, things in the Mountie costume and like. What did he buy a goat again? Like, Buying a donkey. A donkey. He yeah, Cozart, donkey. He bought Zach Cozart a donkey for yeah. making the uh, All Star game. <laughs> they brought it <laughs> to the stadium. A, a, yeah. real, a real life donkey. <laughs> well, and he came to an interview dressed as a donkey. He did. I'll try oh, to find it. Hold yeah. on. That's Dude, awesome. When he, but um, but I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, it's not unexpected. Yeah, I mean, what year did he come up? Two thousand two, two thousand one. I think was his draft class, right? I know Chad mentioned thirty-five isn't old, and that's how old I am. And I graduated two thousand two, so it's got to be somewhere right around that yeah, same point. I I think he was the two thousand one draft, and I don't know when his debut was. Maybe two thousand seven. 2007 was his yeah, and, that was when he uh, made his debut okay yeah and and that era i mean if you that, i mean if you if you guys remember when yasiel puig came up i think 2012 or 2013 and he started doing all of his kind of you know showboating antics he was one of the first ones to really be doing that and everybody was kind of shocked by it or taken aback say whoa whoa like you're a rookie what are you doing but no. Manny Ramirez did a lot of it. Well, yeah, but Man well, that Manny was Manny Ramirez, being Manny. That was Manny being Manny, and, and he and he already had a, a you know, established a career, successful established yeah. career. But we're talking about a rookie coming in and do that. So when Joey Votto's in there in 2007, <laughs> and uh, there were um, you know other players on the Reds there that were already established. I don't I don't remember. Um, Jay, I know Bruce was there. Um, who else was there in 2007? Probably Adam Dunn. 
Yeah. Okay. Done. Um, um Griffey might have even still been. Uh, I think. Really? I don't know when Griffey left and went and fell asleep in the White Sox dugout. <laughs> oh my god! That's Joey Votto dressed up as a donkey. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's that's great. That's awesome. That's a good teammate right there. Um, but just to go back to uh, you know Votto and and his early demeanor, that was expected. And if he really was doing anything at all to to show emotion, I'm sure veterans would have been you know in his face say, hey hey rookie, come on. Like what well, the doing? the starters the starters on the 07 team as listed by Baseball Reference, catching was David Ross. <laughs> Scott Hatterberg was your first baseman. Good old Hattie. Is Scott Hatterberg a good player? <laughs> I think he's overrated. Brandon Phillips was on second. Alex Gonzalez was playing short. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion was at third base. Oh, man. And then you, had, you had an at- outfield of Adam Dunn, Josh Hamilton, and Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, my goodness. That's a good squad, man. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, I think, uh, Josh Hamilton didn't really take off until Texas, right? So I, I don't know. Oh no, he he, he 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 was he was banging here. He was. He came, yeah, with, I mean the red the, when he came up with the Reds, he was he was doing well here, and then he really took off. G- Gino just hit a homer. Great, I'm behind. <laughs> <laughs> the iPad to the Wi-Fi and streaming. I'm probably I'm probably still watching the fifth inning. <laughs> So something else I want to bring up about a, a player who's who's been doing well um, and who I've kind of teased a little bit because of his his short little T-Rex arms. But what have you seen out of Tony Santian and his new role in the bullpen? I, I love it, man, because uh, when I saw him come up and start, I, I was extremely impressed with him as a starter. Um I think I uh, we may have talked about it last time on the podcast, but he's the guy that has the bulldog body where you know he's going to be a horse and eat innings. So that could be in his future, but he's so young. He's 24, right, 24, and uh, mm-hmm. he has an extremely live arm. And because he has his you know, T-Rex arms and he's got his short arms, that actually – causes trouble picking up the ball it jumps up on you so much faster than you know what you would expect and i truthfully thought when when i had first heard them sending him back down to get him ready for the bullpen my first reaction was he is going to be an important piece this year because i'm sure that i was under the assumption that he was going to gain some velocity going to the bullpen which it looked like he might have a little bit and it looked like his slider had even more life last night, and I know it was that filthy. It was yeah, it was it was filthy. When when I saw Chris Bryant take that ugly swing, I was just pumped. I was Oof. like, "Oh man, we got a good one." I believe uh, the pitching ninja immediately gave him a sword. Yeah, well, we we were tagging the crap out of him as soon as uh, Santion started uh, striking the. He had the, he led the inning with two strikeouts. Uh, there were multiple accounts I saw that were just tagging the pitching and just saying, you need to look at this guy right now. And, <laughs> um, I, I'm excited to see, you know, how he does this year in the pen, but I'm also excited to see his future role with the team because I do think that his future is as a starter, 
And I think that he could be a very good one at that. So one of the things that Sam LeCure brought up in the pregame tonight um, was that as he is in this relief role, he's being more aggressive with his pitching. And he thinks that that's going to translate as something that maybe he didn't have the mindset beforehand as a starter being more aggressive early in the counts because you're trying not to get those walks. You're trying not to waste pitches essentially as a reliever because you're out there for such a short amount of time. So that was how LeCure interpreted it. So is that something that you would have thought of, you know, with your sharing that pitching background? Well, I had, um, I, I, I might've had a, a, a reliever's mentality when I was starting because I wanted to get the person out on three pitches or less, no matter what. Um, if I walk somebody, I was really upset with myself because when I pitched, I had the mindset of if he puts the ball in play, there's a 70% chance at the very least that he's going to get out and you can't defend a walk. So um, my outings were whether I won or lost, it was 60, 65 pitches, 70 pitches, you know, five, six innings. And if I lose because I got hit, I can accept that. If I lose because I couldn't find control, you know, I was very, very, very upset with myself. So I was always, always very aggressive as a pitcher. I was always, always throwing strikes, first pitch strikes. I loved first pitch strikes. Doesn't mean it has to be a fastball first pitch strike, but I used to actually have conversations with my college pitching coach, uh, Drew Dickinson. He might be with Virginia now, um, but he was at uh, University of Illinois. My freshman year, he had to pull me aside and he actually had a conversation with me saying that I needed to start throwing more balls. <laughs> because, because I was just throwing too many strikes. And he says that, um, you know, being away from the plate could be a benefit in a way. So that was my adjustment. I had to try not to throw too many strikes. Um, so aggressiveness was something that I always had, no matter if I was starting or relieving. Um, but there are pitchers who will have more of a slower tempo as a starter versus a reliever and you definitely saw that with Santion his tempo was so much quicker he was so much more aggressive he was walking around the mound like he owned it which was awesome to watch and it really just made me pumped up because yeah he did have success as a starter but it was that moment yesterday where you kind of felt like he felt that he knew that he belonged and he found his role, at least for this year. He was going after everyone. Mm-hmm. Like everybody. I, I know that we were talking, we've been talking a little bit of pitching, but we were talking about Votto and his hitting. And there's another guy who has been absolutely smashing the ball. That's Kyle Farmer. Mm-hmm. He's batting 435 over his last seven games and 319 over his last 30 games. We, we don't need to go out and get a shortstop. I think we're, I mean, I, I've always been a big Kyle Farmer guy. So, because I had a, a very weird stat that nobody seemed to know for like the first part of the year when they were like, how can he even play shortstop? But he does still own the uh, the best uh, fielding percentage at shortstop at the University of Georgia. So it's like 958, I think is what it was, which is outrageous. What? Yeah, one of my uh, minor league uh, teammates, uh, Taylor Hicks, was a pitcher at Georgia, 
-hmm. and uh, he uh, just recently reached out to me saying that, hey, I, I played with Farmer, and uh, if you ever get a chance to talk to him, which I haven't, he's like, you got to give him a shout out for me because he's my boy, and he was a stud, and he's awesome, good dude. So I'm a big Farmer fan, and, you know, obviously we heard, you know, talks about maybe we should go get a shortstop, we should go get a shortstop. I was never in that camp, and for a couple reasons. One, because defensive – a shortstop is a defensively premium position and he's giving us everything we could want there. So if we have one of, I think his uh, defensive metrics uh, right now in the, in the MLB, he's like top 10 or 12 in defensive he's rating. He's up mm -hmm. there. So if we're getting one of the best in the league defensively at short and we're amongst the best in the national league in almost every offensive category as a team, I don't see why we would need to change our shortstop because we have the offensive punch that we need. Obviously he's hitting much better as of late and he is a stud defender. He's very reliable. And I just don't think that that's where we should be putting our resources, not saying that, you know, just let's say we were to go get some other shortstop like story or Trey Turner, not that they wouldn't help the team, but I just think that, there could be pieces elsewhere that would be more beneficial. And if we were to go get another shortstop, we already kind of have a log jam, you know, with infielders. So when we get Senzel and Moose back, we're probably going to have to do kind of like a, a, you know, position by committee where every couple of days, somebody will get an off day, you know, cause I'm sure Moustakis will play some a third. Moustakis might play some a first when Votto gets off. When so when Senzel gets back, he can go in at third. He can also play second. And you also got to remember, India is probably going to be playing every day. So right. if we were to get a shortstop, that would mean that either Farmer or even Gino is going to be on the bench for an extended period of time. And I don't know if that would be putting the team in the best position to win. Um, I think that if we're going to go get a piece um, – you can always use arms, whether it's a starter or a reliever. Um, if we were to get a piece, every contending team needs pitching. So I think that's where we should go if we do decide to make a trade. There it is. They did say, like, I guess they brought up the fact that, um, I mean, for one, Kyle's playing, he's playing the best baseball of his major league career right now. Um, and I guess he's also doing it while having some sort of, you know, his ab, he's got some ab injury that he's dealing with, but he's like, I, I don't want to take, I'm not taking myself out. I'm not going to take a, a, any time off because I've always dreamed of being a starting shortstop in the major leagues. And I'm getting, I am the starting shortstop here and I'm not giving it up. Like it's just, it's great to hear like somebody that's like, you know, I'm going to go out there. Yeah, it might end up being at my detriment, but this this is me. I'm giving everything to this team. This it's that city. dog like, mentality, man. I love it. The farm dog is the man. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, you have to respect it, too, because uh, he, he was with the Dodgers. They wanted him at catcher. They told him he was only going to be a catcher. Um, he, he made his body type to be a catcher. I believe he was, uh, you know, more heavy set over the last you know couple years yeah. and then once he sniffed that opportunity to play short 
he completely changed his body. He got in the best shape of his life. Um, you know, he's completely refining his swing. His defense has been outstanding. It's crazy because you watched him. And if you were to tell a fan who just tunes into the Reds right now and say that that guy used to be a catcher only, they would say, what are you talking about? That guy is a shortstop. Right. And um, it really it's it's a feel good story because I, I don't even know Farmer at all, but I love the guy and I <laughs> for him really hard. And <laughs> if we were to have traded for a shortstop, I would have pulled, a, you know, a Terrell Owens where I'm like, that's my quarterback or something. Because, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, really, really, like he needs to be appreciated what he's been doing, you know, for the Reds at that position, especially with the injuries that we've had early. As you talk about the underappreciated, one of the names that keeps coming up on your Twitter feed is Jonathan India. So these rookies have been getting they've been getting small marketed really by baseball who they can't get out of their own way. They really can't get out of their own way to like just promote the game itself. I mean, you saw it at the All-Star game where god forbid you put a banner up for everybody who's at the damn game. And then now with you know, arguably rookie of the year, one A and one B with you know, with uh, Jonathan India and with Tyler Stevenson. What the hell's going on here? I think that um I just think that since I've gotten here and really immersed myself in the fan base and you know, just Cincinnati baseball as a whole, um, I heard a lot about you know, the national, the, you know, the national media doesn't care about us, you know, all this, we don't get the attention that we deserve. And, you know, I was under the assumption of if you go out and you, you know, perform, you're going to get that attention because this is the major leagues, but that's really not the case. Um, the fact that to bring it back to the all-star game, the fact that Nick, who was because Acuna was out, he was the, the outfielder there with the most votes from the fans on the roster. So he was the player that the fans wanted to see the most and not to have a single banner picture, nothing of him and, or Winker. I walked all around the city. I was in the team hotel. I walked mile this way, mile that way, just all around the stadium, Buses, murals. We had players that weren't even in the All-Star game. We had Yerman Mercedes, who's a rookie who recently retired and then came back. He had his own banner. There was just it was honestly ridiculous because I went there thinking, oh, where are they going to, you know, just tuck away Winker and Nick's banner just to, you know, so not a lot of people could see it. In the there closet. Was none. There <laughs> was tuck, none. They tucked it away in the closet. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was just thinking maybe, you know, it would have been nice if the money that the MLB made promoting the slide of Nick into home, where they also got $10,000 of him in a fine, you could have just taken some of that and gave him a picture in the <laughs> All Star game or for Winker and. Uh, to bring it back to the rookies, um, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily that big of a deal that they're not getting all the attention. Um, it would be a travesty if 
they don't win rookie of the year or if somebody wins it ahead of them who's much less deserving um i don't think that'll happen um but uh i do think that it will be inevitable that the nation will know that these two kids can play and these two kids are going to be good players for a long time i think you're right I think the best is, is definitely yet to come with both of those guys. And I think that you see even like almost on a series by series, um, you just see just a little bit more of these guys as we just continue through the season. And it's been, I, I feel like Stevenson's always in a situation where he's going to get an RBI, like a big time RBI in a game. And India, I think he set a record or tied a record for like lead off hits in a row, I believe. It was something like like six or six. I think it. I think it was the the Reds' record. That the Reds' tied. record. Yeah. So I mean, just was, doing impressive things, man. Like, and that's that's, that's not realize, a rookie record. Yeah, well, like, but what people people don't realize though is like, in since like we like we had we had Shinsu Chu here who was a good leadoff hitter, but like leadoff hitter here has been like by committee for as long as I can remember. And having somebody that is solid at the at the front of the lineup that you know is likely to get on base. You remember Corey but, Patterson, right? <laughs> exactly. So having having him up there and he's just like, you know, anything that that comes to him, he sees the ball so well, and and he he hustles everything out like you don't ever like. I mean, the kid's helmet flies off at, every time he's running to first base, and it's fantastic to see. Like the the effort that gets put out there at, at that position, which is something that we haven't been blessed with very often here in Cincinnati. And and to you know reiterate on the fact that he's a rookie, you to be able to fill that position with a rookie is has got to feel so good for this front office because they they know that they, I mean, it is early in his career. You know, they're you know we could have sophomore struggles or anything like that, but it's very bright what we've seen and it is a very important position at the top of the lineup. Second base is also a very important position in the field and he plays with the passion and the fire and the grits and the every day I'm just going to come out here and give it everything I got and I'm going to wear it on my sleeve and I'm going to make sure my helmet falls off in the meantime. That's <laughs> awesome. It, it really is awesome. And Obviously, with Stevenson doing the same thing as a Reds fan, you know, you should be really excited watching not only the two rookies hitting, but the two rookies pitching Alejo, Alejo Lopez, you know, kind of showing what he can do in his short time up here. And then I've heard nothing but crazy things about Hunter Green and, and Lodolo and, and uh, Bar Barrero. 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 Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. I think a lot of reason to be happy here as a Cincinnati fan, because not only has the major league team been showing that, you know, they're a good team that can compete, you know, for the playoffs, there's a lot of, you know, promising reinforcements in the, in the bag, you know, waiting to come up. Gotta love it. So, you know, we're, we're what about 60 games left here in the season at this point ish yeah yeah and i think what did we come in tonight at as far as 51 and 49 i mean uh, uh how many games back seven seven i believe 
So what do you think the odds are that we just, I mean, that it's that the, the window's starting to, to get, we're in a nervous place, seven games back and, and seeing the way that, no, no, I'm not nervous. Well, you got to figure the, we're Cincinnati. So we, we've, we've felt the heartbreak year after year after year. I'm not nervous, man. I, I think that, um, I, I think the most important thing is getting, you know, guys like Nick, guys like Antone, guys like Sims, guys like Mustakis. If we could get those guys in and going, um, we have a favorable schedule towards the end. And I do think the Brewers are a very good team, but I genuinely believe that we're a better team, especially when we have, you know, all of our guys in the field. So it really just takes – one good run. I mean, we've seen it, and I still think we have one, maybe two more really good runs in us. I think we play what nine games out of the last sixteen or eighteen with the Pirates. Gotta love that. Something like that. We play Detroit. Um, we play uh, uh, Blinken, but we have a very favorable schedule going down the stretch. And I know it's baseball, so obviously there's going to be a ton of those games that we lose, but. I, I, maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I still think that when we get going, I think that we can play some of the best baseball in the national league. And yeah, it might take a bad stretch or two from the brewers, but those kind of stretches are inevitable as well. So as long as, you know, we don't hit one of those stretches where it's just absolutely miserable for a couple of weeks, I think we'll be fine, but health is going to be the biggest factor in my opinion. So getting those guys back to where they're not only in the lineup, but they're playing at a capacity where they feel, you know, close to a hundred percent. That's when I think we go. And I do think it's coming. Hopefully well, it's not too late in the season, but I, I really, really, really do think that if it's not the central, we'll have a shot to compete in the wild card as well. So a couple different avenues, but I'm still optimistic and I'm not nervous yet. I just want the players back on the field. And I know you brought up some of those names as far as rookies that are down in AAA, and you got to figure that when you have September call-ups and the rosters expand, that's finally going to give a huge break to this bullpen that they've just got to be tired right now. I mean, they're going out there you know, sometimes four or five innings a game. And it's been a lot of the same guys all year long. So to get, you know, some of those fresher arms in a Hunter Green or a Lodolo, if they're guys who are called up with the September call-ups um, and, and see potentially what they have against the big leagues. Um, and then also to your point, to get back, you know, a Sims and to get back um, Lorenzen even, Anton. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, then this whole bullpen is completely different from, and now that we see that we potentially have a guy in Santian, you know, th there's, there's a lot of, of hope, at least in the, in a bullpen that everybody wanted us to make moves, but here's, you know, four guys all of a sudden that weren't here in the bullpen two weeks ago. So I, I don't think that we need to make a trade to compete per se, but I do think that acquiring someone is kind of a message from, you know, ownership saying that, Hey, we believe in you. 
we think that you guys are good enough to compete. And here, this is us showing you that we're going to invest in you and be ready to make this push. Yeah. I don't know if you guys just saw the report about, I don't know the player's name, but there was a pitcher in the bullpen who just got traded from Seattle to uh, Houston, maybe, or something. But uh, the report is that the clubhouse was extremely upset about it. And that's because that clubhouse probably thought that they had a chance to compete and ownership was obviously giving them a different message. So even if there isn't a player per se that's needed to basically make them a competitor, sometimes just adding can completely change the vibe in a locker room. And you've seen that with the Brewers. I mean, once once Adamus or Willie Adamus walked in, they basically just went on a roll and yeah, of course Adamas had a bunch to do with that, but that was probably just kind of, you know, a message to the team where it's like, okay, let's go, you know, and depending on, you know, whatever player is added, if there is one, uh, let's say that we get another one for the bullpen, that's just extra motivation for every player in that bullpen that says, Hey, there's someone else here. Maybe I need to pick it up or maybe I need to do, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to give a little bit more, you know, to help the ownership who thinks that we have a chance to win to go out and go ahead and do it. And it, it, it really is just kind of like that extra motivation for the players and for the locker room. Um, and those little things could, you know, could make a difference. They really can. So that was, that was Seattle's closer that they traded to a, right. a division rival <laughs> to Houston, right? Yeah. That hurts. And I, and it, I mean, it looks like, I mean, they're, they're six games back in their division, but they've won the last four. Like, I mean, they, they were starting, I guess that's what it came from. I just briefly read, like scanned an article um, that, you know, the, the clubhouse kind of thought that, you know, they'd started to win and they're making some climb in the standings there, and then they take their closer and send him to a team that is six games ahead of them. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the, the the report said that the locker room wasn't happy about that, and you know why would you be? You know, right? Um, yeah, the, those players in the locker room, they don't. I don't know what player they got in return. I think they got a major league catcher, right? Um, uh, they got back um, a right-handed pitcher, Joe Smith, and an infielder, Abraham Toro. Okay. I think Joe Smith went to Wright State back when I was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, um, I, I just think that that it really is nice when – you know, the locker room and kind of the vision of ownership for the season kind of align in a way. And um, I do think that this team, the Reds team, I mean, really do think that they're good enough to compete and make a run. And I feel like if they don't make the playoffs, they will all feel like they underperformed um, and and I just I, – I really just want to see this team, you know, kind of be able to put it together, get healthy, and really go out and play, you know, a couple months of 
really good baseball um, because I've really just kind of fallen in love with the buzz of the city and how excited everybody is. So I kind of want to see that all come into fruition. And I really do think that the talent is there on the team. So it would be, it would be sad if it didn't come into fruition. But like I said, I'm still very optimistic. I'm not even worried yet. I still think there's a lot of baseball to be played. And I still think that the team still has that mindset of, you know, competing for each other, having fun, uh, taking it day by day, you know, not trying to get too high and too low. And they're still in that mode of, we have a goal. We're here for a goal. We're here to win. And you can see that with how they're playing. And uh, the fans are loving it, man. I mean, uh, yeah, of course, we wish that the last week or so would have been a little better. But the fans still believe in this team. Even when we lose, I you do see negative comments, but the majority of the fans really do have a belief that this team has it in them. I think this has been one of the most fun teams to watch, most relatable oh. teams to watch in years. And I think that just goes to the cast of characters that they have in place. Um, you know, it's, I can't say enough good things about the, the team itself. Like you just, you feel the energy. Absolutely. It's, and uh, you, I think Jeff was, was making a comment about how when I was in Cincinnati last was for that Cubs home series, that that was one of the most electric weekends that you've ha experienced there in a long time. Oh, it, it was like, like I said, I mean, like outside of like the all-star game, which was just like, you know, people from everywhere that were just like screaming and cheering. And then like Todd Frazier won the home run derby that year. And it was nuts. Yep. Um, and then like in, in 2012, when they were um, in the, in the playoffs and they had a, a, what a three Oh three Oh lead or two Oh lead coming back from, from uh yeah. San Francisco and they came back and then it, it went downhill pretty quick here. But um, the, when we, like being here for those was through the roof. I mean, it was crazy. And to have that experience and like we, we have that experience every year on opening day minus like the last two years. Cause it was snowing this year and kind of goofy yeah, the, with the, the you only know, two years that, uh, that I've had a chance to, you know, maybe experience uh, opening day. I'm, I'm telling you, like, opening day here is, like, Surreal. none other. Like, I had a buddy who was, it, he was born in New York, like, Yankees fan, like, to like just ridiculous. And he's, like, telling me how great opening day is there. And they're, like, oh, I brought him to opening day here. And he's, like, uh, I mean, I, I don't have anything to to come back at you with like, this was a, a ton of fun. Like we, I mean, I made, you make a whole day out of it. There's a parade. And then like, and now with where the ballpark is, they had like those streets all get blocked off. Um, like I guess now the Dora that's down there where everybody right. can drink anyway, but like they block all that. There's pictures of that. I mean, it's just like shoulder to shoulder with people just having a good time until opening day. And then you get in there and I mean, it's, it, it's fantastic. There you go right there. <laughs> It, yeah, it look it looks like a like a championship parade, doesn't it? Oh, that's just that's just opening day. So imagine what just, a championship would be. It, it, if it, oh if man, can... that would be so cool, man! That would be... <laughs> His holy grail's right, right so there much. in the bottom right. Yeah. So the ballpark, this that picture's from like the banks, uh, from up above the ballpark. 
looking down into the oh, holy grails right I, there I, on the right. I know about the banks, you guys. That's a great place. <laughs> <laughs> How much of the banks do you remember, though? <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> it, 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 it's fun. The, the, the fans there are great, uh, especially after the game. Uh, you know, obviously, it's like a huge for, – for anybody who hasn't been there, it's like a – you know, one strip of a street and on either side, there's, you know, restaurants, bars. And after the game, there's just fans of both teams. We had Cubs fans and Reds fans just all there, you know, having a good time talking, you know, being friendly. It's a really, really, really good vibe. I mean, it's, uh, you know, just to bring up Wrigleyville, um, they have a very similar thing there. And when I first experienced Wrigleyville, I was like, oh, there's, no place like this and of course the banks and wrigleyville are different but kind of what they offer in the experience is the is very very similar and um honestly i it, it i had such a good time in cincinnati uh the ballpark is beautiful the fans are great the area is awesome um and uh just excited to go back really uh but to go back to the uh the opening day can i had just found this out today on twitter when did they stop giving you MLB? I mean, when did MLB stop giving you guys uh, rights to the first game and why? They started uh, doing overseas, like over in Japan. Uh, like the 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 first year the Reds didn't have it. I mean, it, it's been a while. It's because we had like um, a, a five o'clock start or something like that day. Yeah, they they started doing they started doing we. I mean, it, it it was when I was it was when we were like kids, like. That they stopped doing. I remember, like, there was one where, like, the Reds played in. Um, I think the only time the Reds have not opened, at least at home, they opened. I want to say it was like '88. They opened at the Astrodome, um, in, in Houston. Um, but it, it's been quite some time, and it's it's a, a point of contention here in Cincinnati that they yeah, I, don't I allow us to open the season. Today. Yeah, it's yeah, ridiculous. That's a little upsetting. It really is. I mean, because. That's probably why opening day became such a spectacle in Cincinnati. And, you know, to take that out, it's kind of sad because I, I've heard nothing but great things about the opening day here. And, you know, I was at opening day this year, but it was snowing and it was not full capacity and it's not the same. Dude, hey, to give you an be- idea, like they've literally talked about making it a holiday here in the city where they shut down businesses. <laughs> How and can to make businesses it, even operate when you can't walk down the street? It's oh, that's true. bananas. And there, it, there are a lot. There are a lot of kids that aren't in school that day. Uh, there are a lot of people who are sick from work. Uh, yes. Like I, the right exactly. I I I went to like from the time I was born until I was twenty. I went to every opening day. I didn't miss one uh, until I was away at college and I couldn't get back. Here's the coolest thing about opening day. Back in the day when Marge Schott was the owner, uh, we used to have elephants on the baseball field before the game started. And they actually <laughs> delayed the start of a game because an elephant shit on the field. <laughs> <laughs> opening day is wild here. Can you imagine telling, like, can you imagine telling a, a center fielder, hey, hey uh, you got to go out there and stand on that elephant shit out there in center field. Or, or the grounds crew, that they have to go clean that up. On AstroTurf. It wasn't even real grass. It's not like they could dig it up or anything. It's AstroTurf, so that's going to stink all day. Okay, I, I think that this should be without saying, but why was there an elephant on the field? 
the old owner, Marge Shot, donated a, well, first she bought an elephant, I think, and then she gave it to the Cincinnati Zoo. Um, obviously, she couldn't keep it at her house in Indian Hill. I don't know if that's the truth or not. But anyway, she sponsored the elephant house or the elephant exhibit at the Cincinnati Zoo. And so she just basically told the zoo they have to bring the elephants to the field and let them shit on the field. I mean, if you have a chance to bring an elephant to the field for opening day, I think you'd, you'd do it, right? She said, honey, I need y'all to bring <laughs> those elephants from that zoo down here to the ballpark. And then she, as she said, as he talked as she's hitting lung darts, <laughs> she was, she, and, but she like, she had a seat like down by the, I mean, oh, yeah. she was like down by the field, like right behind the dugout. Like she was always there and she, With had, her dog. she has, she, With she has a, a, a very, is a very checkered past checkered with yeah. comments that she has made that are very inappropriate that we don't talk that will about get it. you comments comments that'll get you fired from being an announcer nowadays she would have been fired from being an owner nowadays yeah, so well, they would have took the team too. from her for sure yeah she was she was she was a wild, wild she would not lady. have survived cancel culture no, at, all. They, at all they used to do yeah. a thing where they would bring the kids down onto the field and like you could run like you could start at home plate and run all the way on the outfield and all the way around and my brother who is he's like a year and a half younger than me and is much larger than i am like he he was a lineman in football. I mean, he's just a big guy. And uh, so we're running. Oh, a lineman. And, yeah, he was a big guy. And, and uh, it, he is a big guy. Um, and we're we're in the outfield running, and Marge Shot is running with Shotzi, who was her giant St. Bernard dog. Stop. She, she wasn't had. running. She wasn't running. And she was, she was yogging, and my brother ran right into the back of her, knocked her over. She, like, fell over Shotzi <laughs> onto the ground. I'm like, we're never allowed to come back to Reds games ever again. Like, she's going to have us booted out of this stadium. We are like, 11. 11, yeah. like, 10, so, 11, so that, you know? That's why you stopped going to opening day. It wasn't college. It was because... <laughs> no, 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 no. We did not get banned. My, okay. my, my grandma canceled. was part of the... My grandma was part of the Rosie Reds. Like, we were, awesome. we were all right. Okay. We were allowed to be in there all the time. Like, we always had tickets, so... All right, so a quick question for you guys. Um, so uh, Skyline Chili is going to be hooking me up with my first ever meal there because I've never had it. Um, they're sending me a gift card, and they're really, they really want me to try it. So what do I get? You got to go two conies with onions and mustard, and uh, I would say any choice of the ways. So, like, you could go three-way, four-way, or five-way. Uh, I would say three-way just because that's the iconic one. But Three-way is the iconic? The, three, the three-way is the iconic with the coney, with, uh, well, you know, so, onions and onions and mustard. But if you want to add the – if you want to do the five-way and add onions and beans to it, you can't go wrong. Okay. Because the Mets broadcast, when they were trashing it, that was – you guys saw that, by the way, when the Mets yeah, broadcast – Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, and, and then I kind of stuck up for Skyline Chili, and then they had reached out to me, which is how this whole thing started, which is which is hilarious and awesome, by the way, because I get to try free chili. Free uh, always tastes a little bit better anyway. <laughs> yeah, but th- I was saying that I want to try it exactly the way that it looked in the Mets broadcast okay. when they were trashing it. Five-way. Five yes, that's five-way, but yeah. when I had said that, people were responding to me left and right like, you need to work up to that. That's probably yeah. fair. No, I, mean, probably fair. I mean, it's literally just adding beans and onions. And onions. Like, 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, you you can you can jump right in there, and if you I'm, if you I, if you're all about right that, in. you you I'm can get one coney. You could get one coney with onions and mustard, and then because the coney is is you know your dog in a bun with the chili on it and cheese, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And then they put onions and mustard in there. Okay. But then you could get also one with habanero cheese. Wow. Because I that's what I yeah, do now. Yeah, but that's not I get, that great. I get, that's. I, I, the habanero cheese is fantastic. It's not that great. Hey, Ed, what do, what do you think, Ed? Come on. You, you it's know. pretty hot. Oh, I think, and in, in, I respect the four-way and the five-way, but I think the classic is a three-way with Coney and a Mountain Dew. Yes. And a Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's nothing like a, a, a Skyline Mountain Dew. And uh, Mountain Dew does hit different at Skyline. It's real different. This is true. I, uh, I don't want to take this elephant I, picture down. I don't, I don't, I don't know why this this popped in, but I only drink Mountain Dew once, and it's whenever I go to Taco Bell. Baja this is it the Baja Blast. I don't eat, I don't drink the Baja. Is it the Baja Blast? Blast? No, no, just the OG, All right. The so your your sister got that surprise drop off of Taco Bell while you were <laughs> streaming, right? <laughs> so that was that was so weird in and of itself, but it totally reminded me of the fact that the menu down in Florida. They don't have chili cheese burritos down in Florida. They don't have they don't have that? At Taco Bell, they do not serve them. And I've asked why, and they said because it's too hot. I, I, I get fair. the same thing every time, so I, I don't really know the differences in the in the uh, the menus. I, I this is this is a lot of food, so don't judge me. But I always get uh, okay, two you. soft taco supremes and two cheesy gordita crunches. Ooh. And I crush them. They're so good. The cheesy gordita crunches are the ones that have like the soft shell on the outside mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. hard shell on the inside. Yep. And then you got to add the fire sauce. And... No, you got to go Diablo sauce. I that must not be a Florida thing because it's too hot. <laughs> oh man, I've never heard of Diablo sauce. Yeah, they got they got Diablo sauce now. It was like a limited time thing, and then they brought it back. And so, like when I go, I always tell them like you know I need like a handful of it because I have it in my refrigerator. <laughs> like, like stacked up in there. I love Taco Bell. I'm I'm, a, I'm like a human dumpster, I guess. I I'm some I'm somewhat of a, a Skyline, Skyline expert. So Skyline Chili, Grater's ice cream. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, that that fucks. And yeah, that will. Oh, yeah, because I heard Dave Portnoy say the same thing. Yeah. So if he said it, it has to be true. Yeah. Um. What What else between those two? Because I, I I need uh... to make sure I hit them. Like the, I mean, are you I just guess, talking like Cincinnati staples? Yeah, I guess you can always hit yeah. a Montgomery Inn. I mean, you hit Montgomery the, the Inn ribs, is a right? yep. rib yep. joint. Yeah, okay. um, and La Rosa's. Then, but, don't, but don't don't expect like you know like some kind of crazy like barbecue place. It's just the the ribs are good. good. I mean, it is good. Okay. It's just not. I, lo- it, I love ribs. The I'm, the I'm decor down. inside is is freaking awesome. The, if you the go de- to the boathouse, remember when Mike Tyson got his ear bit off? <laughs> that the piece of that ear is it is on display at the boathouse. They took they they got rid of Shaq's shoe. It's not there anymore. Oh, that's... yeah. They've got they have like all kinds of sports what? memorabilia. Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's two locations. There's the the boathouse downtown. Um, it's right then, on the river. And then they have like their original location. Okay. Okay. I definitely need to go to that just because you said the Mike Tyson ear. <laughs> yeah. So Montgomery Inn. Uh, if I mean. La Rosa's pizza is kind of what it is, but like that—that's that, what I heard in my stream too. They—they they said yeah. it's—it's it's good. You can try it. You'll probably like it, but it's not absolutely like crazy. You got to grow up insane, on it. But 
Dave, I'll, I'll definitely like it more than New York pizza and post about it. Dave Portnoy yeah. is not going to give us like anything above a, a seven for La Rosa's pizza. I don't think. Really? Did, did I don't? He, uh, did he do it? Did I don't think he. I don't oh, think he's ever been he ever has here. Been. He would not. He would not even. He would not remotely come close to giving La Rosa's pizza a seven. No. No. Really? No. I mean, just because it. it it's like it's this hybrid. It's like a hybrid fast food kind of pizza, almost like. And it's hand tossed. Like he, he does, it, he's not a fan of hand tossed anyway. It, and it's like the, the all the different um, the dough is like frozen, except for the oh, oh. unless you get the pan unless you get the pan pizza, the dough comes frozen. I worked there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it uh, looks like maybe he has so, done the roses. My wife grew up in Cincinnati and hates it because she doesn't like the sauce. Like, it's sweet. It's yeah, it is it's very, very sweet. sweet. We we've been we've been talking about food for like eight minutes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I, I love food. Chad's in the Chad's in the chat. He'd tell you to go to El Torto Loco. Is that what it is? Torta Loca. Torta Loca. He said that's down to- in Florence though. That's a hike, I man. Still hit it up. Yeah, that is a hike. I still need to hit that place up. It, Where me else? Too. I mean. Rubies? That's Brindle's Bites. Uh, Rubies. Yeah, Rubies is a, a staple if you haven't been to a, that to the, steakhouse. The precinct. Okay. Yeah, have you been to Rubies yet? No, man. Did, did, I didn't know if you did that. Just like, tweet him. He'll get like, you in. Just cause it's a... He won't get me in, but if you tweet him, he'll get you in. Yeah. I tweet him. I tweeted him trying to get a trying to get a spot for my anniversary last weekend, and he just said thanks for the thanks for the love, and then didn't give me a spot. <laughs> It's all right, though. I it seems like it. you maybe should have planned an anniversary dinner a little further in advance than a week, Ed. That's uh, No, this was like a month. Wasn't it, Aaron? Like a month? Uh, don't ask me. I don't know when your anniversary date is. Just because I was in the wedding doesn't it mean was, I remember it, when it was. It was Saturday. I forgot about his anniversary and almost went to a, a live podcast out at a brewery instead. <laughs> so... <laughs> Would have been a nice evening for sale. This, this is Ed. Ed almost forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, and Ed, Ed was planning to go to this live podcast, and then he like, he like the day of, he's like, "Oh, I forgot it's my anniversary. I'm not gonna be able to make that." <laughs> she she would have had a nice, peaceful evening. It would have it'd been the greatest anniversary gift ever. Yeah, I, when whenever uh, my anniversaries come, I mean, I, I my my girlfriend, I'm not married, but whenever our you know couple anniversary comes up, we've been together for a while now, about seven years, um, and or just under seven years but uh she's always you know as soon as we get within like three four weeks away she'll be like oh our anniversary's coming up what are we doing <laughs> anniversary's coming up what are we doing are we doing anything <laughs> special what are we doing so i i get the heads up way before so i have plenty of time to prepare which is yeah, even more stressful out. because then i feel like i need to over deliver <laughs> yes yes because it's like, oh, you're yes. planning everything? Oh, this is going to be great. And like, damn it, now there's expectations. So I made the, yeah. the reservations at the wrong restaurant. I, I realized it when we got there. Um, <laughs> I thought I made reservations at a steakhouse in OTR. Apparently, I made reservations at a wine bar with small plates in OTR. Um, they still had steak that they put on the pasta. But um, yeah, I mean, it was great. Went to 50 West, had a beer. And then went home and ate Unreal. ice cream. <laughs> one of a kind, Ed. You are one of a kind. Oh, so we man. we talked food. We talked Reds. 
Uh, can we talk about Gutierrez? How I'm of, can we talk about how I'm somewhat of a, a skyline expert? I mean, you had you had nine and a puke, nine and a half and a puke. I think you keep adding to that number. I you think know, so. Th- you know this I think story, back- Ryan? Uh, I, I all I got was what you guys just said. He ate nine hot dogs and threw up. Well, okay. So <laughs> uh, he, last so, summer, oh, go ahead, Ed. Last summer during the pandemic, I was at home doing nothing. And I got this great idea of tweeting Sean Casey and saying, how many cheese conies do I have to eat to get you to come on the podcast, do an interview? Um, finally, one night, he I tweeted him, what, maybe every week? Uh, finally, one night, he sent me a message, said 12 cheese conies. And I said, at one time? And he said, yo, it's a big interview. Yeah, you 12 at one time. I think you can do it. So we bought 12 cheese conies. We tipped. Good story. We had the listeners donate some money. We bought 12 cheese conies and then tipped the drive through lady a hundred bucks because, you know, restaurants were closed. So, you know, a little extra money for them pandemic. And then, uh, Aaron's frozen. Um, and then we recorded it on zoom, zoom. Yeah. Something like that. Anyways, I got nine and a half down and then I puked into a bucket and it was not good. And then Aaron and Jeff made me think that Sean was, I let Sean down that Sean would not come on the show. He wouldn't do any of that. So I guess Sean was following along on Twitter when we were doing it. Cause I was, I was writing it on Twitter and he sent me a message that following Friday night. He's like, did you do it? He said, he said, you got the number eight and it got as quiet as a mouse into church. And I was like, no, nah, I didn't, I didn't get it, but I sent him the video and he agreed to come on anyways. So I took one for the team. <laughs> Ed, so while we're recording though, Ed Ed didn't realize that when you're trying to eat for volume, you can't eat slow. He paced himself far too slow. I'm pretty sure he used a fork and a knife to cut his cheese conies. I'll send you. That I don't video. know. I don't, aren't you supposed to dunk it in water and just shove it all down your throat? Probably should have, but all I had like, it was a Mountain like, Dew, like Joey Chestnut. Yeah, yeah. And no, Ed, Ed was over there like one bite, and then he would like. Just stare at the screen. And, like another <laughs> and Aaron and I both told him at the beginning, like, you have got to pick up the pace or this is not going to happen. And yeah. I mean, he did his best. He really did. It was That's right. It's, it's a humorous clip. It's around somewhere. I don't it's know. on our page. Ed might tweet it at you later. So if, if, you, if you guys want to do uh, uh, towards the end of the season, if you guys want to each get like four, five, six conies and all of us eat it here and see who can handle it, I'm, I'm down to do that. I've never seen oh. a competition. Oh, man. I'm, I'm losing weight so I can fit in the Liam t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Ed, are you really going to be able to eat six, though, and not puke yeah, at this six point? Will fine. This, six will be fine. It's going to trigger you PTSD so bad. <laughs> Six will be fine. I can do three. Can I I see you in the Liam shirt just to see how much progress you got to make? It's all the way up. Go get it, Ed. It's all the way up. I can't can't make it all the way up. I'll I'll put it on (laughs) later and I'll tweet a picture. Beautiful. Beautiful. The internet lives forever. I bought two. I bought one for myself and then one we'll give away in the 100th episode. That's awesome. And for those of you guys who don't know, um, the the proceeds or some of the proceeds uh, go to charity. So. Do you pick the if dragonfly? Interested? Yeah, the, the dragonfly uh, charity or something. I, I I don't want to I don't want to say because I'm not exactly sure, but it, it's the dragonfly something, and they're doing uh, work with children um, who are dealing with cancer and whatnot. Um, Liam did all the research himself, and Liam picked the uh, the um, 
you know, the charity himself. But here is actually a crazy fact that we found out after the fact that that charity that we had picked, um, that we found out was actually a charity that got a bunch of traction years ago with Marty because when Marty Bremen shaves his head. Yeah. And that was just so funny just to hear because it's like, what are the odds? What are pediatric like? pediatric brain cancer. Uh, I think it's the Dragonfly Foundation. Yeah, that, that yep. sounds good. Yeah. Yep. And and th this is Liam's thing. He he's the one that read it. Did did all the you know. Re he got a list of different ones that he could look at. He was reading through all of them. I'm sure the fact that Dragonfly, the name coincided with the time that him and Nick were watching Dragon Ball Z. So I'm sure that might have had something to do with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Liam, Liam loves it now. L Liam calls uh he's Gohan and and Nick's Goku. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they're oh man. That's awesome. That is awesome. But it was just funny because when I had heard that I was like, oh man, what are the odds? What are the odds? Yeah. I don't think Marty ever grew his hair back out. Yeah. So before we get you out of here, Ryan, um your Twitter stuff, or I'm sorry, your Twitch stuff, if you want to tell people where they can find you on a regular basis as you're watching the games, and then everyone can laugh along with you because you're super interactive i don't know how you keep track of everybody and i know i razz you a little bit like hey dude yeah. remember me it's the same handle on everything yeah well i i got i got you now i i was i had so much stuff going on cause I, when, I get it yeah because when when i had first gotten on with you guys that was right around the time where i decided i was going to do the twitch stream so i was in the middle of setting up this makeshift studio the only thing i care about in the studio right now is making sure that the camera and the light works and people can see my dog photos. That's all I really care about now. Um, when I move back to Fort Lauderdale, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks, um, I'll be doing more of like a permanent home studio spot. Um, and still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just having a ton of fun doing it. So, uh, you know, that's really mainly why I'm doing it right now. Cause the, uh, you guys have been in there. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I've built like a little community there where the same yeah. people are coming every time and everybody knows each other. We even have some Cub fans in there. So I'm really excited to do this next stream tomorrow, uh, which is going to be against the Cubs. I'm sure we'll get a bunch of Cubs fans in there because a lot of Cubs fans do follow me. Um, so it's probably going to be an interesting stream. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, if you guys do want to check it out, um, if you do follow me on Twitter, uh, it'll be in my bio. But the link is uh, twitch.tv slash parkballers with a Z. Uh, that name came about because of my momentarily my momentary dyslexia where I misspelled the acronym of Great American Ballpark. And that went on for a little while and nobody wanted to correct me because they were afraid to correct me because I'm Nick's <laughs> brother, I guess. So after I realized it, I started saying Great American Ballpark correctly. And everybody's like, no, it's GAPB, GAPB. So then I had to come up with a name that made that acronym make sense. And it was the Great American Park Ballers. And then I just took Park Ballers and I just made that my stream. So now anybody who comes in on the stream and joins in on the community, you're officially a Park Baller. So if you guys want to come watch the game, obviously I can't show the game feed or the game audio for copyright reasons, but... We're all watching the game together. We're all chatting together. We're all going nuts together. People are 
you know, predicting different things. And anytime somebody has a good prediction, you know, I'm calling them out in the chat and um, people are interacting with each other in the chat and they're kind of all becoming, it's like a new way to watch the game where everybody can kind of have fun and everybody in there, it really is positive. Like even when things are going bad in the game, we'll start talking about Pokemon or like club penguin or, or like food or just really anything I, I don't know if you guys even if club penguin even registered with you guys but nope. i was surprised with how much and people in the chat loved club penguin which is like this free-to-play little game where you get your penguin and you run around and it's like a little interactive world it's literally for kids but i may have played it a little bit when i was like in seventh grade but you <laughs> had me at runescape though you, you did oh, have dude, me at runescape yeah. Yeah, RuneScape was a huge topic of conversation. I even have people telling me that I need to stream RuneScape, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't even remember that. I don't even remember playing <laughs> it, but uh, it, it really is a lot of fun. It really is. Uh, the last stream, um, there's like a joke around the stream where the first stream that I did, I had some Coronas on the stream, and we won. And then when I stopped drinking the Coronas, we had lost. So everybody, every time we're losing, they're telling me to drink Coronas. And I'm like, you guys, like, I can't just drink Coronas on stream all the time. Like, I'm not really, you know, <laughs> I, I know my, my Twitter profile picture has a beer in it, but I really don't drink all that much. Like, if I go out to the game and all that, you know, of course, I would like to go and drink and have a little bit of fun. But um, the last stream, we were down by a bunch of runs and the whole chat was trying to get me to get Coronas. And I'm like, you guys, I don't have any in my house. There's nothing I can do. So I called my mom on the stream. I put the phone up here and I was waiting for her to answer. She didn't answer. So I left her a voicemail on stream. And I'm like, mom, I need a Corona. Could you please bring me a Corona? And then hung up 45 minutes later. I had no idea. She walks in through that door wearing a Nick Castellanos jersey with a six-pack of Corona, and she's just like, woo! And I'm like, no <laughs> way, dude. And I it was, back, it was epic. Chat, yeah, the chat is going nuts. They're like, oh, Michelle, yeah, your, your mom's awesome. And then this one guy was like, oh, wow, your mom's pretty hot. And I'm like, uh, Chris, you're in timeout for like five minutes. <laughs> he, he got the horny bonk. Yeah, the, the the horny bonk, but but still, it's it like it's all in good fun, and uh, and and I really do have you know, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty people reaching out to me every single week saying that I love your stream. You know, the fact that you're doing this, it really is the most fun I've ever had. You know, being a Reds fan, this is the coolest way to watch a game. This is the most fun I've had watching a game, and I have people messaging me before every single game hey are you streaming hey are you streaming today hey when is the next stream and it's really just awesome because i'm like i just want to get on for you guys and have fun with you guys and every time i live every time i go live the same 30 people just get on immediately and they're just like hey i'm back hey i'm back and i'm just this is this is great so i don't really know where it's going to go from here um obviously the season is only so long. Um, I'm probably going to continue to be doing things on Twitch afterward, whether it's more sports stuff. I, I, I'm going to keep it sports. I'm going to have a lot of sports related things on there um, because I love sports, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whether I do stuff with Nick in the future, probably will venture into some of the gaming aspect just because of, you know, how coincided that is with Twitch. And I love playing video games myself, a whole bunch of different ones. So 
I'm just excited. It really is just to be able to, to, you know, have Twitch all set up, um, you know, have a stream that I love doing and a lot of other people really enjoy. So is Liam going to draw your logo? <laughs> because, that is a good idea. Because it needs to happen. Like you, for one, you, I mean, you need a logo and you've already yeah. got an artist in the family. You might have to pay a high premium now though. I don't know. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. He will make me a logo for free, okay? He better, okay? I, I'm his uncle, and I'm the fun uncle. Yeah, but you're not going to take away from charity, are you, Ryan? Are we still alive? <laughs> yeah. Your your mom might be watching, so you got to be yeah, you got to be wary about what words you want to use Ryan, here. Never come back. I'm, I'm just kidding. That that would that would actually I, I never thought about that, and and I I. I probably will bring it up to him and, and see if he wants to do it. Um, there was a, I was planning on um, having him just come. There's rules with Twitch about yeah. young people being on stream. It's allowed, but they need to be, comp I need to be in the shot with him at all times. He can't be alone on the stream. Mm -hmm. So I do want to uh, be streaming, you know, and when Nick comes up, just go grab Liam, sit him on the lap, and just have him watching at bat. Um, a lot of people have asked about that. So, um, really, I'm I'm just doing it to try to make as cool of an experience for the fans. I've, I'm spending most of the time there um, interacting with them. I know a lot of the highlights people see on Twitter are just me going absolutely crazy, which is a uh, frequent thing that happens depending on what's going on in the game. But most of the time, you know, we're all just in there hanging out, laughing, saying, you know, funny things, random things, sometimes things not even related to baseball. And um, it's just a different feel from, you know, Twitter as a whole, because Twitter has a, as a whole see, is, can be very negative, you know, um, can be very, uh, you know, it's a cesspool. Um, it's a cesspool. Yeah. And and they will the chat in the stream will make comments about how much better they feel being in here rather than interacting with people on solely Twitter who tend to be negative and, you know, like the world is falling and everybody sucks. And uh, it, it, it's just fun. And I was telling you guys when I was starting it, I, I was thinking that it would be something that people would like. But now I know that there's a lot of people who love it. And I just look forward to every stream now. It's a lot well, of fun. Again, if you want to just shout out how they can find you, what your uh, username on Twitter and on Twitch are, so they can find you there. So my Twitter is uh, Ryan Castellanos. It's at Ryan underscore cast underscore because I was late to the Twitter party, I guess. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and my Twitch handle is Parkballers. Uh, Z instead of an S at the end because the S was taken and uh, it's twitch.tv slash parkballers and uh, you can find that either through Twitch or if you guys follow me on Twitter then uh, it's right there in my bio and, and I also post uh, about an hour and a half to two hours before the game that I'll be streaming and then I'll post uh, like five or six minutes before we go live and then 
I'll also throw a couple posts, like six in the seventh inning, uh, if anybody wants to come catch the ending. And if uh, you need the visual, uh, you can watch our YouTube video. And uh, his username is right there scrolling at the bottom of your screen. So uh, unless you guys got anything else, um, we're going to catch the end of this game. I believe it's still 5-2. We got Hoffman on the mound in the uh, in the eighth inning here, two outs. Feeling pretty good about this one. But uh, that was another episode of Pardon the Punctuation. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. We look forward to uh, a little bit more before the season ends here with you. But for Ed, for Jeff, I am Aaron, and we're out. But um.